0: Hello, I'm Colin Gilchrist, CEO and founder of Union Kitchen, and this is Food Founders: Stories from Launch to Scale. In this episode, we speak with Michael Haft, co-founder of Compass Coffee. Michael, along with his co-founder Harrison Suarez, bonded over a love of coffee while deployed as Marines in Afghanistan. After moving back to DC, they began experimenting with roasting coffee in Michael's basement. In creating the perfect cup of coffee at home, Michael and Harrison decided to launch Compass Coffee. Today. Compass operates over 12 cafes, all in the D.C. area, over a 50,000-square-foot roaster to support their operations, 250 staff, and over $20 million in revenue. Should be an awesome conversation. Let's go. Hey, guys. Uh, Cullen Gilchrist here, founder of Union Kitchen. I've got an awesome guest here, Michael Haft, a founder of Compass Coffee. Michael, thanks for coming. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's start off, just introduce yourself, you know, what's your name and uh, what do you do? Uh,
1: so my name is Michael Haft. I'm the co-founder of Compass Coffee. And in a small business, uh, you do a little bit of everything. So, you know, whether it's roasting coffee or going to sales meetings or working on accounting, uh, do a little bit of everything.
0: So that's the long answer to what your title is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I've been called worse. You know, it's... Yeah, yeah. Very cool. So uh, you said co-founder. Yeah. So you've started this business with, uh, with a partner.
1: Yeah, so uh, me and Harrison, uh, my co-founder, we became friends in the Marine Corps while drinking coffee in (laughs) Afghanistan.
0: (laughs) Very cool. And so you guys met uh, in Afghanistan, or?
1: It's kind of funny. We both went to Washington University in St. Louis, and we were not friends initially, (laughs) but we were the only two guys who were interested in joining the Marine Corps. And so sort of out of uh, necessity, we started training together, working out, and uh, over time, uh, we became friends and uh, you know, got really close, uh, learning how to navigate with a map and compass uh, while in the basic school in Quantico.
0: Very cool. So that's where you first started hanging out then, Quantico, and then you, you went abroad and did Marine things.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, we were both infantry platoon commanders, and uh, we led 50 Marines or so, each of us, in Afghanistan. And uh, I was working with the Afghan police, and Harrison okay. was working with the Afghan army. And this was in 2011. So it was, not, it was not a great time to be in Afghanistan. <laughs> um, if you remember, that was right after uh, Osama bin Laden was killed. And there was a, sort of the surge of Marines into southern Afghanistan. So mm. that's sort of the backdrop for uh, Compass. And that, that's really, me and Harrison would get together about once a week. And we would drink coffee and plan what our missions for the upcoming week would be. And it wasn't good coffee. Yeah. It was just shitty instant coffee. Uh, you know, the kind of stuff uh that you find in an MRE, which is like a prepackaged military So you like rip meal. open a
0: pouch, pour it in a cup and have a special yeah. moment together.
1: <laughs> I mean most of the time you didn't have hot water, so you're just throwing it in a canteen and mixing it up with just whatever water you can find and uh you know, really special occasions, uh, you know, you'd you'd boil some hot water, add in a little bit of uh, sweetened condensed milk, mm. and make like a Vietnamese coffee.
0: That so that was that nice.
1: a real, like, delicacy.
0: <laughs> now, I think a lot of people wouldn't kind of connect, um, you know, Marines with, uh, with coffee companies. Um, and so obviously, you guys are the founders of Compass Coffee, and so there's this leap from being Marines, having really crappy coffee, <laughs> to starting a coffee company. Uh, so, so kind of what, what was this what was this leap that you then make? What fills that story in?
1: So we were coming back from, from deployment
0: to Afghanistan,
1: and uh, we were driving up to, to DC to visit our families. Because you
0: guys are you're both from DC.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm I'm from DC, and Harrison's from Bethesda, you know, just up the road. And, yeah. uh, you know, we were visiting our families, and uh, we happened to be in the car, and this podcast came on. Um, it was on NPR. Okay. And uh, the host, Tom Ashbrook, was talking about the hot blonde in the coffee shop. Okay, (laughs) and you know we're Marines. We've been on deployment. uh, Hot blonde in the coffee shop. That sounds pretty interesting. What, What could that be about? And it ended up being about uh, Starbucks introducing a blonde roast coffee.
0: Oh, yeah. So that's a, a light roast coffee. A light basically. roast,
1: yeah. So it was kind of disappointing um, <laughs> that it wasn't uh, something else. But uh, it was actually spurred this entire interest in in coffee. Like, what is it to brew the perfect cup of coffee? Awesome. And... Uh, so me and Harrison were like, okay, cool, we're obsessed with coffee now. We would we, we just throw ourselves into things. From like, that
0: moment forward. Yeah, coffee. coffee. Right.
1: And uh, so we started learning about different brewing methods. We started learning about how to, you know, extract coffee, how to make espresso, what what is a French press, what is a Chemex, what's a pour over. Yeah. All of these super foreign things. And uh, we were living in, in rural North Carolina, and you know, with the internet you can order. Pretty much anything online, and, <laughs> yeah. and we were buying beans from San Francisco and New York, and we we're tasting all these different flavors, and uh, we were just having a great time learning about it.
0: Yeah, It's so interesting as we, as we think about like what causes someone to, to start a business and pour themselves in. It, one, it's finding a passion, but I find it so interesting how one finds this passion. You know, in your case, it's a it's a podcast, and it's. You know, being kind of in a rural area with not a whole lot to do. (laughs) Right.
1: It's wild. So we we were like, okay, we were brewing coffee one day for a friend. And he's like, you know, I have uh, like a furniture store and I want to serve coffee in my store, but I don't know how to brew coffee. Could you guys like teach me? And we're like, cool. We'll actually write a guide for you on like how to brew the perfect cup of coffee to serve your customers in the store.
0: And so you guys are feeling confident. You've been learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're
1: feeling good. Uh, this is a couple months later, and Marines are all about training. We're yeah. constantly training, so we're like, okay, cool. We'll write a training on how to make a cup of coffee, <laughs> and uh, so we we have a good time with that. And we're like, you know what? We should write a book about coffee.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and
1: we we write a whole book about coffee, and it's called Perfect Coffee at Home, and it goes. It actually becomes the number one iBook. Oh on, wow! And on and the when i-book is this?
0: This is this is 2013. 2013.
1: Wow. So we're we're leaving the Marine Corps. We're still on active duty, and, and at night we're writing a book. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, we're commuting in together on base. It's like you know 4 a.m. Yeah. and I'm driving, and Harrison's got his laptop, and he's he's typing away, and we're talking, and uh, yeah. So we we write this best-selling cookbook essentially. <laughs> And, you know, it's number one on all the charts. Apple uses it to actually demonstrate on the iPads uh, how to use the iBook store. Oh, wow. Uh, But at the end of the day, we sell like, I don't know, 100,000 copies or something, and we still lose money. (laughs) (laughs) So we we pretty quickly realize that this is not a good business.
0: Yeah, as you're thinking about what do you do post Marines, and you're jacked up and excited about this, wow, we're gonna be authors. Right. And then you realize, you don't want to be an author.
1: No, no, we don't want to be authors. I mean, we had all the critical acclaim. We were in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the Atlantic. I mean, we were on, uh, you know, every radio station doing podcasts and ultimately... So, so
0: outwardly, and maybe to your, your, your moms, you, know, oh, yeah. you look like you're doing well.
1: Oh, no, no. We thought we were hot shit. <laughs> like, people really thought we had something. And, yeah. you know, sometimes that uh, outward perception doesn't necessarily translate to the commercial success.
0: Well, something we talk about this idea of a, a proxy of success yeah. versus success and, you know, this outward appearance, things look great. Well, yeah. that's not success, right. it, but it, sometimes people use it as a proxy. Yeah. 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 So people are thinking that. But oh yeah,
1: you it, get confused. You're like, but I was on, you know, the New York times. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I should be successful. I should be
1: successful. I should have made some money. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, essentially from there, uh, we're like, hey, we really love coffee. We love the community around yeah. coffee. We're both from D.C. We should just start a coffee roasting business. Yeah. And uh, that, that's really how we get started is we're, we're in my parents' basement. And one, one night, it, it's late at night. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? We're like, all right, we bought some green beans. We've got a cast iron skillet. What if what if we just fire up the cast iron skillet and try and roast some beans? And our first batch was pretty horrible.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was this pretty is the first time you've ever done any of that. Yeah, first time ever. Oh, I mean, wow. we,
1: we'd visited lots of coffee shops. We talked with lots of coffee roasters. We were trying to learn, like, how do people do this? And we we wanted to figure out if this was something that you could even do. Yeah. Because it was really intimidating. Yeah, uh, I
0: mean, how do you how do you learn how to roast coffee? I mean. That's not an easy thing. It's not something that you kind of grow up doing.
1: No, no. And there's really almost nothing online, uh, at least at the time. There was very little written about how to commercially roast coffee because, you know, it's everybody's little trade secret. Nobody's going to be like, hey, this is is how you... the playbook. Right, here's the playbook. Nobody's (laughs) going to tell you that. So uh, you start reading blogs and forums and you, you search on Reddit and Home Barista and, you know, you start picking up some tricks and... Yeah. So, over time, we started buying better gear. We started, uh, you know, we got a better roaster. And uh, eventually, we, we start roasting some coffee that's pretty good.
0: Well, like um, you're, you're not just doing it on a flame, but actually making coffee right. from green beans in a coffee roaster that's designed for roasting coffee. Yes. Yeah. So, we,
1: we, uh, we bought a, a really fancy machine. Uh, It was called a San Franciscan, and uh, they were made in uh, not San Francisco, but (laughs) Reno. Okay, (laughs) that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah. of course, uh, where all the San Franciscans are made. (laughs) And uh, it's a great little roaster. It roasts one pound at a time, and that's how we got really good at coffee roasting was every day, you know, me and Harrison, we would just be in the basement roasting batch after batch after batch after batch and then tasting them and being like, you know, what made this batch great? You know, what could we do better on the next batch?
0: It's awesome. So, so basically, you got this passion for coffee, you take a run out of business with publishing and you're like, eh, maybe not. So you want to do roasting, maybe a cafe, and you build yourself a curriculum and just start yeah. learning. Which, yeah. is, which is awesome, right? Because entrepreneurs have to learn something that others don't know or they have to bring it together. And so you're, you're here learning. But you're not yet a business.
1: No, not at all. You're
0: in learning phase, but not yet a business.
1: We're still doing a little bit of the PR for the book, but that's kind of fading. (laughs) (laughs) Like we're quickly realizing that that's not going to work. Yeah, and um, you know we're trying to figure out like where in the market do we fit. And and looking around in DC, there was nobody roasting coffee. Yeah, it was wild. Like no one. Yeah. Yeah. So in 2013, we're just literally walking around DC, and (laughs) we're like, why is all the coffee not from DC? Like yeah. there should be a DC coffee roaster. Like we're both from DC, we love coffee. This is a major city, right? This is a big city. Like we should be able to do this. Mm-hmm. And so we, we sort of say, "Damn the torpedoes!" Like full steam ahead, and <laughs> we decide to uh, buy a coffee roaster.
0: Nice. So we a real one. A real one. Not yeah. a one pounder.
1: Like a hundred fifty thousand dollar coffee roaster. There we go. That's yeah. yeah no, that's a That's, big, that's going all in. It's all in. Um, <laughs> So we fly out to, this time actually to San Francisco, (laughs) (laughs) and and we go see the factory where the machine's being made, and we get a call from our real estate broker who says, that spot that you wanted, uh, the lease fell through with the other tenant, do you want it? Tell me right now. (laughs) And we had not really looked at the space. We didn't know anything about... Construction or utilities, or how to build a coffee shop, or how to build a factory. Yeah. But uh, Harrison was like, he called his brother Ben, who's here in DC, and he was like, Ben, I need you to go down to the laundromat in Shaw <laughs> and tell me if this looks like a good building for us. <laughs> so he goes down there, he looks at it, and, we're and like,
0: Ben's in like college, maybe.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's in college. Yeah, he's not a pro. <laughs> no, not at all. And uh, we're like, okay, cool. We're going to do it. <laughs> so we buy a coffee roaster. We don't know how to roast. We lease a building. We don't know how to do construction. But you got to get outside your comfort zone. And yes. I mean, you just have to do it. So that essentially kicks off a sprint towards getting all these skills to come together.
0: And building a business. Building a business. It's not just learning now.
1: Yeah. Now so a, business. a simple heuristic that we have is, is, you know, I'll draw a little chart for you. Yeah. So you have quality of business plan, and then you have quality of business.
0: hmm
1: And and they're they're inversely related. So essentially, the better the business plan, the worse the, the actual the business.
0: business. Yeah. <laughs>
1: because you're just bullshitting.
0: Well, you've had to create all of these things, and if it's a great business, well, it should be very simple. Right. In terms of how do you write this out? Right. So for you, it was simple.
1: Yeah, and so many assumptions in the business plan are wrong. We thought that people drank coffee in the winter. (laughs) Turns out they don't. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and
0: I imagine how you get that one wrong because I did not know what your answer was about to be.
1: (laughs) Right. No, no, I mean, we really thought that the winter months were going to be our best months. So we opened uh, September 21st, uh, 2014. Okay, And we think that we're going to have this great run through the winter. And there's no one. <laughs> we, have, we have no customers. And things get busy in the spring. Nice. Everybody's outside walking. They're drinking coffee. It's
0: DC, iced coffees.
1: Right. It's, it's beautiful weather. We've got nitro cold brew. Uh, so, I mean, you can come up with these really basic assumptions in your business plan that are just completely wrong. And you have to iterate on them.
0: Well, and so, I, and that goes to the, you know, you, you've got a business idea, you have a, a business general model, and if it's good, well, it's time to go. Yeah. Don't absolutely. don't spend months, years, even, you know, perfecting this business plan. That doesn't matter. Right. It's going to be wrong anyways. And I think that's kind of the the takeaway from you guys being like, well, it's time to go. Yeah. Let's build. We we didn't
1: know if we were going to be like a restaurant supply business, doing uh, commercial roasting. We didn't know if we were going to be a cafe business. We didn't know if we were going to sell coffee online or to grocery stores or a little bit of all of it. So when when we opened,
0: um, we really didn't know which side of the business would grow. But you did know you were passionate about coffee and that people buy coffee and there's a good business model to be had in coffee.
1: Absolutely. And then we would figure it out. Yeah. And that we would work really hard, and we would survive all of these painful lessons to find a business making coffee. We knew that much. And that wasn't going to change. That That's there, a good start. Yeah. No, it's a great start. <laughs> so, I mean, really, we were thinking about which things won't change. We're going to be roasting coffee. We need a coffee roaster. Mm-hmm. It's got to be there. We need some packaging machinery, you know, to put coffee in bags and into tins. That's how people buy them. You, yes. You have to have a package. Uh, so we, we really, our, our biggest investments were the coffee roaster, the packaging, uh, designing the packaging. We spent a lot of time doing that. We, we learned, actually, how to do it. So, I mean, I, I learned Illustrator and actually started... Adobe Illustrator. Yeah, Adobe oh, Illustrator. Awesome. And started designing the packaging and... Uh, I mean, Harrison was working on the copy, he was working on the website. He was and doing- that's this
0: packaging, right? I mean, yeah, right this, this
1: package has essentially not the changed in seven years. <laughs> I mean, we've done little tweaks, but when you when you really get it right, mm-hmm. um, you know, your customers Don't will tell you. Yeah, um, I mean, now we're seven years in and we're thinking about doing a significant update. But yeah, you know, it, it's <laughs> worth it's worth the time up front to really invest in the brand.
0: Absolutely. So uh, around this time, this is also when, when we met, Yeah, right? oh my gosh. <laughs> I always like this story.
1: Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> so uh, me and Harrison, we're, we're still roasting coffee in my parents' basement. And we think, okay, cool. We gotta go reach out to some coffee shops and we wanna, we wanna get some marquee accounts here. <laughs> so we, we look up who's, who are the best coffee shops in DC and top of the list, Blind Dog Cafe, yeah, in and, Shaw,
0: and at the time, this is what uh, I'm doing. Me and my sister are running a pop up cafe in Shaw.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I think the part you left out that it was in a gay bar. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, it was a it was a, a pop up inside of a a late night lounge and we were doing coffees in the morning. <laughs> it's a very strange setup.
1: But Blind Dog was literally number one on the list of coffee shops. <laughs> Which and
0: speaks to where DC was with its coffee culture.
1: Right. In, yeah. At this time. Very primitive. <laughs> and uh, I mean, we were nervous. We were, we were going to meet with a big deal buyer. We were meeting with the CEO of Blind Dog. <laughs> and uh, me and Harrison, we had a bag of coffee. And at that point we didn't even have tins. We had, um, I think we had the brown paper bag at this time. Yeah. And uh, so we we bring it and uh, you know, you kind of look at it skeptically like, what is this? And and ultimately you were like, I'm not, I'm not buying from you guys.
0: (laughs) Well, we had to understand your hipster credentials. Right. If you were hipster enough for coffee. No, we were not. (laughs) No, you were not. No, not as Marines. Um, no, coming out.
1: No, we were wearing boat shoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I mean, a lot has changed since that time. I mean, Union Kitchen didn't exist back then.
0: Yeah, um, we were we were still going through our, our process of learning. You know what uh, what are we passionate about, and what does the market have and not have, and yeah. how can we start to solve problems? Yeah, you know, and it's all these meetings we had with people like you. Yeah, you know, or or, or that were trying to start food businesses and there was gaps, there was holes, there was things that made no sense, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, where you were learning and they were learning, we were learning as <laughs> right. well and thinking about, man, we should build something that fixes these problems. Absolutely. How yeah. do we help food entrepreneurs start real businesses, solve all these silly problems that exist, yeah. and direct themselves towards building things that are going to be actually successful? Yeah. And so that's what we're learning this time. We're, we're learning it from you, we're learning it from others, we're learning it from Ourselves running a yeah. pop up uh, cafe inside yeah. of a weird bar in uh, yeah. in a weird part of Shaw. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, in many ways, thinking back to those times, you know, they're they're fun times. Like, oh yeah, you know, yeah, but, yeah, happy I, memories.
0: Yeah, I didn't know what we were doing wouldn't work. Right, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. this cafe, but right. but it was instrumental to go through that, to learn that, and then be able to take those lessons, build Union Kitchen, build Compass Coffee. Yeah, um, and then share those lessons. So we can build a lot of great businesses mm-hmm. here in Washington D.C. Yeah, and that's been critical for us, and obviously for you.
1: Yeah, I mean it's been amazing to grow with you
0: guys. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. So 2014, um, right? Was it 2014? Yeah, September, September 21st. 21st. There we yeah. go.
1: So we made a promise to a Washington Post reporter that we were going to open in the summer of 2014, <laughs> and so September 21st ends up being the last day of summer and we weren't ready like we barely had the drinks nailed down like we were still practicing how to make like a latte and a cappuccino we didn't really know all those things we only had a few coffee blends figured out then like construction was still halfway finished we didn't have a menu on the wall we forgot to do a menu so like opening day people would walk in and be like what do you have? <laughs> it's coffee. <laughs> right, it's coffee, yeah, exactly. So we made a lot of mistakes in that first cafe in Shaw, and that's great. I mean, every day it was me and Harrison behind the counter talking with customers. If I was if I was the supervisor behind the bar, Harrison was roasting coffee. Yeah. And then you know, if Harrison was working there, I would be doing accounting. Yeah. And that's how we learned so much about what customers wanted.
0: Yeah, and, that, and that's one of our core values, you know, make things that people want. Oh yeah. And there's a few ways to learn that, but being in front of people, talking to them, selling them something, yeah. and seeing if they come back the next day. That's the best way to find out if they want it or not. Well, we had all of that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we only figured this out
1: later. Yeah. Um, but we thought that we were going to be biscuits and coffee.
0: Biscuits and coffee. Biscuits and all coffee. Right. It, was,
1: it was a hot trend in 2014. And uh, we were going to make the best biscuits in D.C.
0: And you were going to make them in the coffee shop?
1: Yeah, we had had a little bakery. We (laughs) call it 7th Street Baking. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so everything had to be as good as the coffee. So we had, you know, amazing coffee. We made our own syrups, like vanilla syrup and chocolate syrup. And Mm we would make marshmallows and all sorts of weird confections. And, um, yeah, we were also baking. So we were making biscuits, we were making biscuit sandwiches with little eggs, like little egg quiches. Oh, yeah. And um, every day, customers would come in and be like, yeah, so uh, a large dark roast and a croissant. Yeah. And then we would be like, yeah, I'm sorry, we don't do that. Um, <laughs> we have biscuits and light roast." Yeah. And people were so upset. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. And would they tell you that or were they just not, you just wouldn't see them again? They would never come back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they probably smile and said, wow, oh, love wow. it, love mm, it. Cool. <laughs> Glad yeah, you're yeah. in the neighborhood.
1: Yeah, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and then they would never come back. Yeah. And, and after enough time, we realized that we were not making things that our customers wanted. Mm-hmm. And we actually came up with a really simple Venn diagram for this. And, and we use this internally at, at Compass. Yeah. Um, so we have one circle that is things that the world values. The yeah. other circle is things that you are proud of making. And the overlap is your business opportunity.
0: There's your business.
1: Because <laughs> yeah. you need to make things that the world values, but you also have to make things that are in line with your values. And yeah. you know the the size of that overlapping Venn diagram is going to determine how big the opportunity
0: is. Well, I think this is such a classic challenge and mistake that a lot of entrepreneurs make because they they start a business because they're so passionate about something. And they just dive in on their passion. Yeah. But then, you know, they're making something that people aren't interested in, you know, whatever that may be. Um, or that, people, that was us. Yeah. No, I mean, we won best... Biscuit in (laughs) in the Washington
1: Post. That sounds good for for Thanksgiving. They did a they did a biscuit competition, and we won best biscuit. And maybe we sold fifty biscuits total.
0: So this is another proxy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: you win best biscuit. It's like who cares. You know.
0: Yeah. For a moment though, again, you thought you were, you made it.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. We thought we were, you know, quite successful. But <laughs>
0: no. Turns out, no, it doesn't matter.
1: No. I mean, people, when they go to a coffee shop, they want, you know, a croissant, a chocolate chip cookie, some lemon pound cake, like.
0: You, good coffee. Oh yeah. No. Good, good
1: coffee. Yeah. So we talk about quality, speed and friendliness. There we go. So our baristas have to be, you know, fast. And obviously making the drinks with high-quality ingredients, made to the right recipes. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, customers want you to know their name. They want you Spell to, it right. Spe- yeah, exactly. <laughs> Spell it right to, uh, you know, remember. You know, you remember your regulars, build that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and that's much more fun. That's the meaningful part of the business is building relationships with people over time. Yeah. I mean, we've had, we've had people get married. We've had proposals at Compass. We've had babies grow up visiting Compass. I mean, it's really amazing to watch, you know, over the course of these years. Yeah, it's
0: been what, seven? Seven seven years.
1: years. Yeah. So, I mean, literally, there's children whose parents went on dates to (laughs) Compass. No, I mean, it's crazy. We used to see this. Yeah. I mean, I still see these kids. I mean, it's, it's wild.
0: Well, in a coffee shop, historically, but even here in D.C., I mean, it's the center of, you know, people's day. Oh yeah. You start it there. Maybe you take breaks there. Yeah. Um, you're there Monday to Friday. You're there Saturday and Sunday. Coffee, oh, yeah. and then the people around that coffee become integral to your life.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: absolutely. I, I mean, it's so cool and it's, it's exciting. Um, but so, anyways, you know, we, we were talking about the, the this Venn diagram you're drawing and finding that that middle piece.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so, you know, you talked about biscuits. You talked about light coffee. What was that? What was the the point where those two circles met? For you guys, what was this business that you honed in on? Listening to your customers,
1: it took us quite a while <laughs> to figure this out, and, yeah. and you don't get it all overnight. But we started doing light, medium, and dark roasts. Mm-hmm. It sounds super basic, but that that one thing meant that there's a customer who wants a light roast, there's a customer who wants a medium roast, there's a customer who wants a dark roast. Yeah, um, we started offering you know different milk choices, so. Whole milk, non-fat milk, uh, back in the day it was soy milk now, yeah. it's, now it's oat milk and <laughs> yeah. almond milk um, but' really just asking our customers you know and, and being genuinely curious yeah. as to what they had to say. And there's all sorts of things that we used to look down on that now we understand on a much deeper level. Um, we make a, a blended uh, a blended drink called a Vienna now. Okay. And so it's a, it's a blended cold brew. Okay. And it's fantastic. We used to think, you know, you can't ever make a good version of those drinks, but we were wrong. You, like, you can just <laughs> use great cold brew and vanilla syrup and create a delicious drink that people are going to love.
0: People love that stuff.
1: They do. And, and I was skeptical at first, and, and now I'm a believer in it. I, mean, <laughs> I think it's awesome.
0: I love a blended drink. You know, can't always admit it, but...
1: Right, right, right. (laughs) No, I mean, uh, it's so much more fun, honestly, being freed from some of those constraints.
0: The constraints being what you thought was cool or what maybe others are are saying is cool. And being freed, meaning now you're just listening to customers and seeing how they actually spend their dollars with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And... uh, now we can have fun. We can ask people, "Hey, do you do you yeah. like this dark roast?" And, and there's no ego in it. It's not like I'm I'm trying to push something on you that you don't want. It's me legitimately trying to meet your needs as a customer.
0: Trying to understand the circles of yeah. the Venn diagram. Yeah, each and day.
1: Compass is not for everyone. There yeah. are there are lots of things that we don't offer. Mm. Um, you you really can't be for everyone. You have to decide, you know, who your customer is or what you know, types of customers you're, you're interested in, in serving. Um, I mean, there's some people who say Compass is too expensive for me. Yeah. Like, well, we use really high-quality ingredients and we have amazing customer service and, you know, the build-out is beautiful, so.
0: That well, that's it. the other side of that Venn diagram, right? We talked about the entrepreneur yeah. who only does the thing that he likes or that, that they like. The other side of it is the the business that just does whatever people say they like, mm-hmm. whatever they say they value, which is going to drive you towards, you know, um, you have to make the highest quality product at the lowest price ever, right? you know, and, and you have to be super fast but somehow have all these, you know, complex things. Right. You have to start to figure out where your passions and some of those things. Meet. Yeah. And that's your market. That's your business. Yeah. And then... Once you figure that out, you know we, we call that product market fit. Yeah, absolutely. Now go build, because mm-hmm. now you've got you've got to figure it figured out in maybe a small place. Mm-hmm. Now do it in a bigger place.
1: Yeah, and that that's really what we've been doing the last seven years is is once we figured out our first cafe, once mm-hmm. it was really humming, once we felt good that we could train new baristas, that things weren't on fire all the time, <laughs> uh, we opened a second location. And then we opened a third location, and uh, now we have uh, fifteen locations, and we're close to twenty million dollars in revenue. And, not bad. Uh, we got about two hundred fifty employees. And,
0: and you also, you, you, and those are those are serious numbers, right? Yeah. You know, it's, uh yeah. You're not you're not necessarily a large business, but uh, you're building something. Yeah. You also are doing uh, consumer package good products that, that we're looking at here. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a whole line of them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you do wholesale as well.
1: We do. So in the early days of Compass, I mean, just trying out all these different lines of business, we really focused on growing the cafe business first. Uh, that was the one that we cared most about. That was yeah. the one that was uh, commercially viable. We had a very small roaster at the time. Mm-hmm. So our cost of roasting coffee was quite high.
0: Yeah. We
1: couldn't be competitive in the grocery store. Mm. So it was literally too expensive to sell the coffee in the grocery store and make money. But we wanted to learn about that business yeah so we through union kitchen distribution yeah uh, we got into whole foods in the dc maryland virginia area and so we've been in whole foods for about six years Mm -hmm. and some other local stores we're in union kitchen grocery
0: absolutely Um, so a lot of compass (laughs) company yeah
1: uh we're in streets we're in yes we're in moms i mean we're in all the the specialty grocery stores Mm -hmm. in the dc area but we weren't making any money doing it
0: but you were learning we were learning. The same a process of learning what the customers actually wanted, yes. but through other retailers.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that we learned that's super different from our cafes, in the cafes, people want to buy whole bean coffee. Mm-hmm. And what we learned in, in grocery was that most of the customers actually want ground coffee.
0: Yeah, because you know they don't have a fancy setup at home. They don't have a grinder. Yeah. Uh,
1: they're looking for a convenient way to brew coffee at home. Yeah. And so that was you know this one simple thing mm-hmm. that helped us really grow in grocery. And, and that just came from talking to customers and removing ourselves from the equation.
0: Like, yeah, your ego right. stepping out and just fully trying to understand what the market was really asking for.
1: Yeah, I mean, every coffee person knows that whole bean coffee's better.
0: That, that tastes that, better. It tastes better. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course, it tastes better. <laughs> like It's fresher, it tastes better. That, mm-hmm. that No one's going to say that ground coffee is better. No one. <laughs> no, no, no one's going to say that. But in your customer's like preference equation, they prefer the convenience of a ground coffee. Mm-hmm. And they're also looking for high quality. Absolutely. So there's a place for that, and we can do that.
0: Yeah, and, and so you, you start doing ground coffee, you rolled out other formats, like uh, you've got... Um, easier uh, to use ones.
1: Yeah, I mean with the pandemic with people stuck at home, uh we saw that people wanted k-cups, they wanted Nespresso capsules. Yeah. They wanted single-serve coffee at home,
0: which is makes perfect sense, right? We all want that. We've all been drinking coffee at home for mm-hmm. last year and a half. Yeah. And so what's the best way to do that? Well, for many people it's 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 the K-cup, it's the Nespresso pods. Yeah. I think and, it's, awesome. it's
1: super convenient and uh I mean, just like everything else, we started on a really small scale. We bought a little bench top uh, machine that fills yeah. that fills little cups. Like one
0: at a time? It fills
1: one cup at a time, <laughs> and then you put it in this other machine, and then it seals just one cup at a time, yeah. and then you move back over, and then you fill one cup, and then you seal one cup. Yeah. It is a very frustrating process.
0: But that's how you start.
1: Yeah, No, and that's how, you, that's how we launched it.
0: You don't go and buy a $5 million machine. You no. start literally, on tabletop, benchtop. Oh yeah, you get yeah, a little yeah. machine. You do, you do your process. You build it. You find out if customers agree with your thesis. Yes, that they want it. Yeah, and then you start to build your process from there.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, so we we've jumped from benchtop as our first iteration to now we have an automated machine mm-hmm. that's doing about sixty cups a minute.
0: And that's continuous. Oh yeah, it just Those runs. it's on conveyors. Yeah, yeah, we've fantastic. got conveyors and
1: feeders, and you know, I think we're going to outgrow that machine in the next few months. Beautiful. Oh, no, it's awesome. I People mean, want these things. Right, right, right. And that that's the process is literally like, you get the bench top, you get the semi-automatic, you get the automatic, you get the bigger automatic. Yeah, exactly,
0: <laughs> you exactly. Know? exactly, very and,
1: cool. And for our production facility, I mean, we started with uh, about 3,600 feet in Shaw,
0: very, okay. very
1: small space, about and half of that was the cafe.
0: Yeah, so you are doing it in the cafe, you were roasting oh, yeah. and serving coffee in the same space. We
1: wanted customers to be able to see the entire experience, so Mm -hmm. we built this glass cube around the roaster, and it's a place for customers to come walk up, you can talk to the the roasting team, you can see what they're doing, you can see all the different beans, all the countries we're sourcing from, and you can also see at the same time, if you just turn just a little bit, you can also see espresso shots being pulled, and baristas steaming milk, and Uh, I mean, it's a really cool experience to be able to have, like, that open chef's kitchen Mm -hmm. showcasing how we make make the coffee.
0: Well, I think connecting the idea that this is made in D.C. Yeah. We talk a lot about being made in D.C. And you are making it visually clear to everyone that, no, we're making it right here and turning it around and making your coffee.
1: I had never seen green coffee until buying, you know, a couple pounds online
0: in 2013. I'd say... Most people have no idea what it looks and smells like.
1: Most people who come into our cafe have never seen green coffee before. And it's amazing when you're sitting behind the, the roaster counter and you see somebody walk up and look at the big machine yeah. and you're like, would you like to see uh, some green coffee? And you 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 know you pull out the bag <laughs> and you pull out coffee from Ethiopia and you, you let them smell it. And it's like, wow, I didn't know that the coffee was green. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's awesome. I am
0: I had that moment. Yeah, it is amazing.
1: It's really cool <laughs> seeing the whole process, the beans transforming, is is awesome. Very cool. Uh, so, I mean, these days we've grown into a new facility.
0: Yeah. So yeah. So, so the next question was kind of like, what are you building next? What what happens now? So we've we've got a
1: fifty thousand square foot
0: facility. So it's about almost. 15, 20 times bigger than your first one.
1: Yeah uh, you know it turns out there's a lot of things you can do with forklifts.
0: There's a <laughs> yeah.
1: lot of things you can do with automation and a uh-huh. loading dock. Uh, but really our first our first grocery uh, and cafe that was our proof of concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wanted to see if we could roast coffee. We wanted to see if we could run a good cafe yeah. We wanted to see if we could sell coffee in the grocery store. We wanted to see if we could sell coffee online. And once we proved out all those different things, we committed to this huge new facility. And, uh, you know, now we've got automated roasting and we've got quality control and there's a whole production cool. team.
0: And is it the same thing? So it's in D.C. And, and customers, yeah. can they come and watch this just like they could in Shaw?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, we wanted to keep that, that, open, that open floor plan so that people could come in, get a cup of coffee and then watch, <laughs> watch the roasting happen. Just a lot bigger. It's a lot bigger. It's pretty uh, cool. No, I mean, it's fun. I mean, these are the scaling challenges. Uh, Mm -hmm. Peter Thiel talks about the hardest thing is going from zero to one. Mm -hmm. And that going from one to ten is much easier. And then going from ten to a hundred is super easy, you know, essentially. I with that. That the hardest step is literally just getting that first step going.
0: To figure out what it is. Yeah. What is one? Right. How do I define that? Absolutely. And then once you get there, it becomes more straightforward or cool, we have to do that more. Yeah. We have to do it bigger. And there's challenges and things to learn. But you understand it's a straight line mm-hmm. or ish. Right.
1: right, right. <laughs> Still challenges. Yeah. Still plenty of challenges every day. Uh-huh. But um, no, I mean, we're, we're scaling the business. We're, we're now regionally in Whole Foods, which Very is cool. awesome uh i mean union kitchen has taken us to to giant food which is cool yeah um we are buy we're, a lot of coffee there we're in new york um so we're in all the bodegas in new york you can find us at like west side market and, and those kinds of places and so cool. uh you know we're, we're in great restaurants in dc i mean uh, something like half the michelin starred restaurants serve compass Yeah, and we're at, at georgetown university's campus and you know, it's just a, a tremendous honor to be supporting all these other businesses, you know, mm-hmm. serving coffee.
0: Well, you've been so committed to, to D.C., which I really love. You know, you you've you built all these cafes here. You built all these things here. And you're focused on Made in D.C., mm-hmm. which is really cool. Um, which kind of leads me into that I like to end these conversations with with two things. One, what, what what is it that you're most proud of in that you've built in this business? And then I think a little more fun is what's the thing that, you know, you messed up? What's the biggest mistake you've made that allowed you to really learn mm-hmm. and bring you further in the journey? W- start with I w- that I one. would
1: say both both answers are people.
0: <laughs> people, okay. People. Uh,
1: and, and I don't think that most entrepreneurs are thinking about uh, building a team on day one. Yeah. And I, I would say the, the most rewarding part of this whole thing is building a really strong team uh, and just coming in every day and, and working with people who are, you know, motivated and competent, and you know, passionate about coffee. Yeah, that's by far the most rewarding thing.
0: Very cool. Um, and that was that, but that was a mistake for you. You had to learn that lesson.
1: The biggest mistakes are also about people. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that having the wrong person in the wrong job. Mm-hmm. You know, hiring you know somebody who you know is maybe not the right fit, or uh, you know, not training them properly. Yeah. That that's you know my mistake. You know, to not train someone properly. Well, it's a hard
0: thing. I mean, you obviously had a lot of experience, you know, in the Marines, right? Mm -hmm. Training, it sounds like, you know, a a group of 50 Marines, but (laughs) it's a hard lesson to learn. How much do you train someone? Mm -hmm. You know, and the answer is... You know, they're not enough.
1: Right, <laughs> you know, it's actually much easier to lead Marines than it is to lead a team of, of baristas. baristas. Yeah, no, it is. It is. Uh, the Marines must follow your orders. Well, I they mean, have
0: guns. Yeah, so you know,
1: if you say we're getting up at four a.m. and we're going for a twenty-mile like hike, yes, sir.
0: Marines do that. Baristas.
1: Baristas are not not (laughs) as motivated by that. So, I mean, a lot more of the leadership style has to change. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, everything is voluntary. You have to be, you know, showing people why you should do things a certain Mm -hmm. way or how a new way of doing things would be better.
0: Yeah. How do you bring them in on this passion, this excitement that you have? Because you're excited to be here. And how do you build a team that's uh, learning and creating that passion themselves? That's, that's a real challenge. Yeah. I mean, obviously something that you guys have learned over time and are starting to really execute on. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you for answering that. And thanks for this this whole conversation. I think there's a lot to, to take away from. There's a lot to learn even in just such basic lessons of, you know, making things people want that align with your passions. Yeah. I mean, that's everything, right? But so somehow so hard.
1: It is quite hard. <laughs> and often you get in your own way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was something for me and Harrison to figure out. It's like, we have to just get out of our own way, you know, sometimes. it's Yeah. Like, uh,
0: you know. I understand that. Cool. Well, thank you. This yeah. is awesome. Thank you very Appreciate much. Appreciate it. We'll have to do this again. Great. Thanks for listening to Food Founders. If you like today's show, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you next time on Food Founders, stories from launch to scale.